The reading of the Scriptures from Acts chapter 5, reading verses 17 to 42, I invite your uh, reverent hearing and faith of God's Word here from uh, Acts chapter 5. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what uh, this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as prince and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days... Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or if this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. 
As you know from the book of Acts, we are uh, summoned to be uh, the witnesses of God. It's uh, our essential identity. Uh, it's parallel, of course, to the life of Christ. It's parallel to the ministry of the apostles. And uh, it is what we see them doing uh, this morning as a reminder to each of us. We're to be witnesses. Uh, wherever God uh, would lead us. Uh, and what will always uh, follow faithful witness to Christ uh, is uh, opposition. And uh, this morning, that opposition to the witness of the apostolic company is met with uh, defiance. Uh, they defy uh, the, uh, the religious uh, rulers that compel them not to witness. And in some manner or form, uh, we, we must... Uh, uh, defy opposition as well, uh, because uh, to uh, to do otherwise would forsake our identity. Because again, that is what we are. So this morning, the church refuses uh, the opposition's request uh, to cease witnessing. And uh, how do they refuse? Well, they keep witnessing. And we find that in a beautiful way this morning, both in the act of witnessing as well as the content. It's a good starting point to remember that all of us, the church, corporately the body of Christ, as well as individuals, are commissioned to witness. Certainly we find a compelling reason for that in the Great Commission. Jesus tells his disciples, all authority been given to me in heaven on earth, and based upon that authority, he says, go uh, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing uh, them and uh, teaching them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're to go. The apostles are going. You and I are to go. However that breaks out in our uh, individual lives, but certainly in our corporate life as the church. Uh, uh, as you know, the, uh, the reference to authority in the Great Commission of uh, Matthew 28 is an allusion, very important allusion uh, to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Uh, you know, perhaps the context is uh, one like of uh, Son of Man comes to the throne room of uh, heaven, uh, the Ancient of Days, and uh, Daniel says to him uh, was given authority, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve Him and His dominion as an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. In one fell swoop, Daniel is telling us that the kingdom of Christ cannot be stopped. The witness cannot be stopped. It cannot be defeated. It will be victorious. And uh, that is played out in the rest of uh, Daniel chapter 7. In particular, as the church, Daniel chapter 7 confronts opposition because the world tries to defeat it. Various venues, uh, but it cannot because the victory is given to Christ and Christ gives the victory to His people and He gives them the kingdom, the kingdom that is started. Uh, the uh, commission to witness is reinforced a text we've uh, looked at in previous occasions. Uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. 
Uh, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses throughout the world. And that's really the progress of the book of Acts. Uh, right now, we're still in the confines of uh, Jerusalem, but that's going to change uh, because Acts 1, verse 8, is going to be fulfilled. The life of the first century church, it's uh, our commission as well. We're to go. Witness. Uh, the advent of the end time spirit in Acts chapter 2 empowers them, the first century church, it empowers us to witness. Uh, and, uh, and so it is that as the apostles were given power, you and I are given power. Uh, as they were, uh, apostolic company was filled with the Holy Spirit, you and I again filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the contrast to that in our text this morning is, uh, is the opposition. Uh, we read that in the 17th verse. Uh, they were filled with jealousy. Uh, and so deep down inside, the world is filled with jealousy. Uh, they are jealous of our peace, our joy. Uh, they uh, are jealous of our uh, risen Savior, uh, but nonetheless, they are filled with uh, jealousy and they will affect opposition uh, on the church. Uh, but you and I must uh, remember opposition does not change in any way our, our commission, uh, both in uh, act and in content. Uh, the, uh, the opposition in verses 17 to 32 uh, is... Uh, is, is an act of defiance. Uh, so the court has uh, the apostles arrested, uh, and then a higher court trumps the lower court. The higher court dispatches uh, an angel, uh, sets them free, and then the angel, interestingly enough, in verse 20, recommissions them, a reminder. Uh, particularly, uh, defiance have, has a way of uh, causing us to cower, intimidates us. Uh, so the angel, for whatever reason, recommissions them. It's very important. Reminder to us that the commission does not change. Uh, just because of uh, opposition from civil government and uh, false religion, uh, it opposes our witness, but uh, we are still to go. So look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 20, the recommissioning. Go your way. Stand and speak to the people in the temple. Uh, notice the content of what they're to speak. Uh, the whole message of this life. Uh, the verbs here are imperatives. Uh, someone has written, uh, the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. It's uh, commissioning from the great seat of power of the court of heaven. So go, stand, and speak are imperatives. Uh, and, and the references to a public witness in the temple, very interesting because that's the place that got them previously arrested. Uh, but, but the content is uh, just as remarkable. The New American Standard reads uh, the whole message of this life. Uh, the Greek text is literally all of the words of this life. Uh, and that's uh, an important reminder of our witness. Uh, you and I live in a culture of death. That's all that it really knows. 
wise man Solomon once wrote, uh, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so all of philosophy, all of worldly teaching, seemingly thinks that it has it right, but it's the way of death. It's a culture of death. It hides it, it masquerades it, it puts a smiley face mask upon it, but it's death, pure and simple. The words of the gospel, uh, the issues of life, life that begins when you come to Christ, oftentimes referred to in the New Testament as eternal life, but that life has begun. It starts in the people of God. It's the end time life uh, promised by the apostles. Uh, in uh, John chapter 6, verse 63, we read, It's the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I give to you are spirit and are life. Never forget that the words of the gospel are life. Now, when you speak to people uh, and you share the gospel with them, uh, you're not speaking the things of this world. You're not speaking to the things that the world values or honors. You are speaking the very essence of life itself. That's one of the reasons you must not let up. Uh, now, again, I encourage you as you witness, be very wise. Uh, when you go to work, you, you work for your employer. It's not a place to witness uh, other than very, very indirectly. Uh, but after work, it's different. Uh, our church's witness and our civil culture is uh, all of the time. Uh, but it's important to remember we speak life. We're talking to people who are literally and spiritually, spiritually dead. And we're telling them about life. Uh, we have a way sometimes of uh, undermining the importance of the gospel. It is life itself. The world needs to hear the message of life, and it is that life is only, spiritually speaking, found in Jesus Christ. And it ultimately will have come uh, in terms of absolute life, physical life, uh, in uh, the coming of Christ, in the great uh, resurrection. And so it's a, it's a reminder that our witness speaks to the very essence of, of what people need to hear. Because of the Spirit, men must obey. Uh, the point is that they continue to manifest their identity with Christ in witness. Uh, in Christ who suffered opposition, but who, who never compromised and never gave up. Gave up. Uh, and so, verse 21, they continue to teach. Uh, the, uh, uh, the verbal aspect of this verb to me is very, very important because it speaks to Continuity of action, not something they do every now and then. They continue to teach. The New American Standard reads, uh, they began to teach. I like a different translation, uh, they kept on teaching. Because that's what the church, uh, that's what the church does. Uh, they keep on keeping on, if you will. Teaching all of the words of the life that we hold so dear. Uh, there's no break in the pattern from Acts chapter 2 because that's what defines the church. And so our men refuse the court of man. Uh, the, uh, the same uh, idea is captured in verse 25. 
Someone came and reported to the court, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Again, continuous action. That's what they were about. It's defiance, pure and simple. I think sometimes very subtly uh, opposition comes, uh, sometimes a very nice way, sometimes from friends. I had a friend of mine recently tell me, Phil, you know, you need to lighten up. Uh, be, uh, be more casual. Uh, use, use, uh, use more humor. So I've been practicing my Johnny Carson lines, but they, they just don't seem to fit. I mean, I just, man, I don't get that. But I understand when you go to dinner at the men's dinner club or some after dinner speaker. I, mean, I understand humor is very important. I'm, I'm not so sure it works well in the church, but, but I'm looking for that in the New Testament, looking for the humor. Uh, I, I tend to gravitate towards the seriousness that we speak life to people who are literally the walking dead, spiritually speaking, mixing, of course, uh, my language. Uh, but it's uh, faithfulness to the charge of uh, the court of heaven, parallel to the ministry of Jesus, it's what got them in trouble, and now it's the same uh, as they continue on. And uh, they are rearrested uh, for contempt of court, and they're interrogated, uh, as, as the case is. And, uh, and I remind you that's happening all over the world. Uh, Christians in China, uh, and I can't imagine being a Christian in North Korean prison camps, but uh, so it is, uh, Islamic countries, uh, but that is uh, the nature that it is. Uh, uh, the charge uh, is uh, very interesting in uh, light of uh, defiance. Uh, verse 28, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in the name, and behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's uh, blood uh, on us. Uh, we command you not to teach in his name. Uh, and you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. It's uh, obvious hyperbole, but uh, it's a great reminder. That's what you and I should attempt to do. To fill our families, our communities, uh, with the teaching ministry of the words of life. Uh, but nevertheless, teaching and witness go together in act and in content. Uh, the American church, I think it's the attempt to uh, dumb everything down, if you will. Uh, have worship uh, terminating not on teaching, but on experience. Uh, treat everyone like their customers. Remember I uh, uh, had a woman uh, tell me that uh, I went to a great church service last night. She said, well, you don't tell me about it. Well, we, we, we walked in and uh, we all sat down and the lights were dimmed very low and uh, the minister got up and lit a candle. So, well, that's, that's okay, nothing wrong with that. Light a candle, I mean, that's kind of cool. Uh, and then I, so, so what else? That was it. We just sat and meditated and watched the candle. 
Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that in light of the apostolic ministry. I'm not against candles and lighting them and uh, I don't know about dimming the lights. So I'll leave that to someone else, but uh, it's a place for meditation. Uh, I'm not so sure the place is particularly in the church, but nonetheless, uh, that was their service. She thought it was so cool. Uh, not a pattern I think you will see in the book of Acts. Uh, so our, our philosophy, just by way of reminder, is that uh, we meet God in his word. Uh, and uh, that is the response of uh, the apostles in verse 29. We must obey God rather than, than man. Uh, so their actions uh, tell the court that we're going to continue. Uh, continue teaching. Uh, literally in the Greek text, uh, verse 29 reads, uh, to obey God is necessary. Think about that. To obey God is necessary. Uh, we sometimes fall prey in our Christian lives to, well, you know, obeying God sometimes is optional and if God only understood uh, my opposition, uh, Greek text, I think, is much more beautiful. To obey God is necessary. Uh, and again, I remind you, uh, you, you go to work, you work. You render to your employer what he pays you for. Uh, so, you know, be wise. Uh, remember when I was at the uh, University of Oklahoma engaging in some Christian ministries, there were a bunch of uh, street preachers who, you know, preached hellfire and damnation as the students went to class. I, mean, I don't know that that was wise. Uh, I can't really condemn it per se, but uh, again, witnessing sometimes takes a great deal of wisdom. Certainly takes a great deal of prayer. Uh, assaulting students going to class with hellfire and damnation. I think certainly it's true. You reject Christ uh, there's a stiff penalty at the end, to be sure, but I just I wonder about witnessing like that. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, went on for a season, eventually uh, played itself out. Uh, certainly be careful, be wise, uh, uh, engage uh, God, praying for wisdom. Think about the importance of uh, relationships, uh, looking for openings that the Spirit of God will eventually give, I believe. Uh, learn to exploit the openings. Uh, but nonetheless, when false religion and civil government commands the church to cease to witness, it must defy all of the time. And that is what we have here. Uh, so when they seek to muzzle our witness, we must refuse. Uh, I remind you uh, once again that witness is not only an act, it also is content. Uh, I don't believe Jehovah's Witnesses are engaging in Christian witness uh, because of the content of their witness. So lots of people try to copy uh, the church, but it's a pure act of incredible subterfuge. It is not witness. Uh, so let's, let's examine the content 
of what true witness is in verses 30 uh, to 32. Uh, because it's essential to true witness. Uh, verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him uh, on a tree. It's an allusion to Deuteronomy 21. A criminal was killed. He was hung upon a tree, signifying the curse of God. Uh, Jesus lived that out. He was cursed by God. The wrath of God was vented against him. Uh, the Apostle Paul, if you have your New Testament, book of Galatians, chapter 3 and verse 13, uh, speaks to this uh, as well as the content of true witness. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. So theology of substitutionary atonement. Christ was cursed. His death ironically creates life. He took our place. Whoever believes in Him passes out of death into life. It's a spiritual event of the grandness of proportions. When you believe upon Christ, you pass out of spiritual death forever into the portals of eternal life. If you're not a Christian, that's the witness of the church. It's the witness of God the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Uh, absent passing through that portal, you will embrace death in all of its fullness. Uh, the wrath of God again fell upon him. Uh, his death was the payment uh, to redeem us from the curse of the law. Content of the apostolic preaching. Uh, secondly, uh, God exalted him to his right hand as prince and savior. So though he became a criminal, voluntarily became a criminal to take our place, uh, God the Father exalted him as prince and savior. Now the word prince has uh, several uh, meanings. First, of course, it embraces Royalty. Uh, Christ is royalty. Uh, he is the eternal king-priest. Uh, and as the eternal king-priest, he dispenses blessings. We'll look at the blessings momentarily. Uh, latter part of verse 31. Only he can dispense those blessings. I believe. Uh, many churches believe that there are human priests that can dispense those blessings. Uh, I may be a means, but I disqualify myself as being able to dispense them. Christ alone dispenses them. Also can have the idea, uh, word prince as a notion of a leader. And as a leader, Jesus is the source of life. As a Savior, He rescues us uh, from sin and misery. Uh, and so, uh, it's important to recognize. Uh, the author of the book of uh, Hebrews uses, picks up this word for leader. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. I'm going to turn uh, in your New Testaments, the book of Hebrews. And the author writes there in the 10th verse of the second chapter, it was fitting for him, for whom are all things 
and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. Christ is the author of life, the author of salvation, uh, and is perfected through his sufferings, vicarious atonement. He suffered and took our place. And then in Hebrews chapter two, 12, pardon me, chapter 12, verse 2, well-known verse, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of the faith. Author and perfecter, the leader of the faith. He authors our faith by his very life through death. The irony is profound. Through his death, the one for the many, he becomes the author of eternal life. Uh, and he despised the shame and sat down at the right hand, the throne of God, uh, because he's co-equal uh, with with God. Uh, and this, uh, this exaltation is a very defined purpose, the blessings. Uh, if you would look at the latter part of verse 31, Acts chapter 5, because these are very important. The blessings procured by Christ to grant repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, grant her to give. Uh, so what does Christ procure upon the cross? The ability he has in the resurrection to give repentance and forgiveness. Uh, essentials to salvation. The essence of the gospel. And this is what they were to proclaim. Uh, Luke 24, 47, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. That's what we're studying, beginning from Jerusalem. Uh, but notice, notice what we, we must have. He alone can give. To stress upon the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus as the exalted Savior. You and I are called upon, if you're not a Christian, you're called upon uh, to repent and to seek forgiveness. He is the only giver. Of course, it's uh, contrary to false religion, uh, generally false religion, whatever its form, even, even as it encroaches upon the Christian witness, is uh, you clean yourself up and you do good works, and uh, God, uh, if you do enough, uh, God will uh, God will give you life, uh, so that in the work of Christ and in your works they'll come together and you'll be saved. But no, this is something only Christ can give. He gives forgiveness and repentance. If He doesn't give, nothing will happen. That's why you go to Him and Him alone, and you ask He would be gracious to you, and He is gracious, and He gives for all who call upon His name and. Uh, faith and repentance, which he gives. It's amazing. Amazing. The author and the perfecter of our faith. That faith and repentance are gifts from God. We need it. He authors it. And he gives it alone. Pure and simple. The sovereignty of God in salvation. 
One of the reasons people get so angry at Christ, uh, He commands us to have and only He can give it. Uh, men cannot save themselves. Uh, you uh, start mixing your notion of works as meritorious before God the Father and you're on dangerous ground because uh, your works have no merit whatsoever before Him, only the work of Christ. Uh, whoever is uh, saved is saved in a divine act. Thirdly, we in the Holy Spirit are witness of these words. Uh, the apostles tell the Supreme Court of uh, Israel's religion. So the human and the divine uh, come together in witness. Uh, it's almost like the incarnation, if you think about it. The incarnation, the humanity of Christ, the divinity of Christ, come together. Two natures, one person. Here, the humanity of human witness is united with the divinity of the power of the Holy Spirit in an incarnation of witness. So we, we witness in our humanity by the power of the Spirit. Uh, witness. Both are in tandem here. Uh, it should define our witness. Uh, the power of the Spirit. Our human witness. Uh, just like the Incarnation, going forth uh, in, uh, in witness of Christ. It's uh, what the apostles are doing. Uh, they will not cower before the Supreme Court. And, and that's really what, uh, what the religious uh, leaders uh, sought from Christ, and it's what they sought, seek from uh, the apostles. Uh, lighten up a little bit. Uh, if you will, use a little humor. Just light a candle. Let that be your witness. Let the people define it on their own. Or do a bunch of good works and uh, God will accept them. Uh, no, it's not true witness. Witness is defined here. Uh, we need repentance and we need forgiveness. Uh, and uh, if you think about it, it embraces something of the previous phrase, all of the words of this life. Uh, I, on occasion, uh, confess that uh, the gift of forgiveness is the greatest gift of all time. There's nothing greater. To be forgiven by God. It occurs upon the cross. You are forgiven forever when you believe upon Him. Forever. It's incredible. Uh, in fact, it's, it's remarkable. It's so incredible that if you understand the fullness of it, it binds you uh, in loyalty to Christ, uh, forgiven forever. I mean, I understand. If you're like me, every now and then you wake up and you're in a cold sweat and you think, can I really be forgiven for the things I've done? That's almost impossible. It's not impossible. It's the very nature of the grace of a merciful God in Jesus Christ. Think about it. Forgiven forever. By the way, that's why we confess our sins. Not for forgiveness. We're already forgiven. We confess because we're forgiven. Even that's incredible. If that doesn't stir you to thanksgiving, your heart is a little cold. Uh, to uh, stand before the highest court of civilization. 
totally guilty, and yet forgiven. That's the message of this life. We take to the world. Uh, you should never leave that off. We share Christ with people, perhaps to your children, uh, perhaps uh, to a colleague at work, after work, uh, or wherever you go in the highways of life, the preciousness of the fact that the great God of heaven gives forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe you're not like me, you don't break out in cold sweats, but uh, it's, it's incredible to be forgiven by God. Well, this, uh, this enrages the court, as you know. They want to kill them. Uh, that's what they did to Christ. That's what they uh, uh, are going to do in a few short chapters, the first martyr. G Gamaliel counsels patience, verses 34 to 40. Uh, you know, very simply, wise words. If this is of man, uh, be overthrown. If it's of God, you cannot overthrow it. In fact, it will overthrow you. Uh, it's, it's important for us to recognize as the witnesses of God, we're carrying forth the message of eternal dominion uh, that will conquer everything. Uh, and uh, we must press that. Well, they, uh, they flog, the, uh, flog the apostles, command them to speak no more in the name of Jesus and release them, and their response is telling. What do you think they do? Well, you know what they're going to do. They're going to keep witnessing and acting in content. Never forget, it's an action. It's also a content. Uh, Their opposition is one of uh, joy for their identification with Christ and continued witness, uh, final two verses of our chapter. Suffering in witness identifies us with Christ. I, mean, I know sometimes you, when you witness and share your faith, you can, uh, you can get a lot of blowback. Uh, that identifies you with Christ. Uh, it's just simply the way that it is. It will always be that way until Christ comes. Uh, but uh, uh, suffering identifies us with Christ. Uh, particularly fond of the words of the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 1, verses 27-28. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or remain absent, Paul tells the church, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind striving together for faith in the gospel. That's acting content, coming together. Verse 28, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. The gift of God. Uh, I understand opposition. It's very real, very powerful. Uh, it seeks to intimidate us. Uh, but we must continue to witness. Uh, very uh, mindful of uh, some verses we studied not too long ago uh, in Isaiah uh, chapter 43. 
in verses uh, 10 to 12. 43rd chapter, the prophecy of Isaiah, verses 10 to 12. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. That's our commissioning as a church. Yes, it's in Acts 1.8. Yes, it's in Philippians 1. It's also in Isaiah 43. You are my witnesses, declared the Lord. And my servant, whom I have chosen, in order that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed, and there was no strange God among you, so you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Essence of uh, act and content coming together. They should come together in our individual lives. Uh, in our words to our families, uh, perhaps our sons and daughters. Uh, again, as we go to different venues uh, where we travel in life, uh, that we are the witnesses of God, reminding people that there is no salvation whatsoever in any other name whatsoever than the name of Jesus Christ. None. It's a reminder of, uh, of uh, the words of Jesus when he tells his apostles in Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and cast insults at you and spurn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Don't be surprised when your kids uh, give you a measure of opposition. It's just the, it's the nature, nature of the lost. Be glad in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way uh, their fathers used to treat the prophets. So that you stand in a long, honored line of the people of God who are the witnesses of God. A revered line. A long red line, if you will, uh, who are blessed by God. And so... The apostles uh, were not stopping or kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus the Messiah, act and content. And so this morning, it's our reminder that true witness and opposition go together. Uh, true witness and the presence of the Spirit go together as well. And true witness and the blessings of God certainly go together. And uh, this is our calling. And may God... And bless us as we prosecute that calling, the power of the Spirit.